This talk was given at Insight Meditation South Bay. For more information and a schedule of our events, visit the Insight Meditation South Bay website at www.imsb.org. For information about online programs, visit the Bodhi Courses website at www.bodhicourses.org. Bodhi is spelled B-O-D-H-I. This uh, talk is the second part of a a seven-week teaching on the seven factors of awakening. And investigation is the topic. I like to look up in the dictionary what these um, topics, uh, titles are in uh, Western terms. So in my dictionary, investigation came up as to search or inquire into systematically. It's a way of looking for or gathering information. Some of the synonyms for that word are inquire, explore, research, review, examine, scrutinize, pursue, or reflect. What does the word investigation mean to us in Buddhist teachings? Well, we are gathering information about our personal experience in the moment and then our mental response to that experience. So something happens. We take our seat of meditation. Body needs to have a little time to settle. We direct our attention inward and perhaps for the first time in the whole day, we notice that we have a little pain somewhere. That's possible. Or, so that was the physical response. Or when we direct our attention inward, we notice that the mind is still very absorbed in something that happened during the day. And, you know, you're still thinking about a project that you were working on at work or something that happened in your personal life. So when we turn our attention inward, using mindfulness as the base, mindfulness helping us to be present moment by moment with whatever's happening as it's happening, investigation works very closely with that. And it shows us what our response is to the moment. Is Buddha asking us to be like a Sherlock Holmes, to uh, sign on with Scotland Yard or the FBI or some agency like that? Well, I don't think so. Investigation in uh, the Buddhist teachings is a little different, so I want to share where some of the teachings of investigation show up in the suttas the discourses of the Buddha, the teachings. And how might this term apply to us in our understanding, study, and meditation practice in today's world? 
This series and the teachings are entitled Seven Factors of Awakening. So it's also important for us to look at how wise investigation can lead us to liberation, to awakening. In the middle-length discourses, Sutta 118, it refers to the fulfillment of the seven enlightenment factors. This is the Buddha teaching. Bhikkhus, on whatever occasion a bhikkhu, a bhikkhu is a monk, on whatever occasion a bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body, ardent, fully aware and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. On that occasion, unremitting mindfulness is established in him. On whatever occasion, unremitting mindfulness is is established in a bhikkhu. On that occasion, the mindfulness enlightenment factor is aroused in him, and he develops it, and by developing it, it comes to fulfillment in him. So mindfulness is the foundation for all of the other factors of awakening. I'm going to demonstrate that a little bit later. Mindfulness enables us to remain aware of each of the energizing factors and each of the calming factors in this series, in this cycle of teachings, and to discern whether or not energy or calm is best suited as a beneficial response to whatever we're experiencing. We'll come back to that as we investigate more. This particular sutta goes on to speak about the investigation factor. The sutta actually addresses each of the seven factors. I have just uh, read the one on mindfulness. Next, I want to read the one on the investigation factor. Abiding thus mindful, he, meaning a bhikkhu, investigates and examines that state with wisdom and embarks upon a full inquiry into it. On whatever occasion, abiding thus mindful, a bhikkhu investigates and examines that state with wisdom and embarks upon a full inquiry into it. On that occasion, the investigation of states, enlightenment factor, is aroused in him, and he develops it, and by developing it comes to fulfillment in him. That's kind of a lot to grok, to grasp all at once. So the sutta goes on to the next factor of energy, which is the topic for next week, which comes about after one has engaged with the investigation factor. Since each factor in the teaching leads to the next, there is a causal relationship to their occurrence. So we'll see how this unfolds in the coming weeks with each speaker.
the chart um, that I brought, um, Don, maybe you could help me. That chart that's lying down there, would you bring it over here and set it up for me? So I made, thank you, I made a little picture here, a drawing of the seven factors. We start with mindfulness. Investigation is what we are exploring this evening. The next factor is energy. After that comes joy, tranquility, concentration, equanimity. One follows the other. The factors from this segment are the energizing factors. Investigation, energy, and joy. When we experience those, they arouse our energy, right? When we experience tranquility, concentration, and equanimity, we are calmer, so they help to calm the mind. What I mentioned earlier about at any given time we have an experience, and then with investigation, it's like, what is called for here? Do I need more arousing energy? to be with this moment? Or do I need more calming energy to be with this moment? So we notice what the mind is doing. So again, mindfulness is the base. And it has an influence on each of the other factors. The factors are a balance of stillness and motion. Stillness and motion. That's just like the breath. If you notice very carefully, that's what the breath is doing. It's coming in and it's subsiding out. Stillness and motion. So it's quite apparent that investigation is an energetic or active element since we are aroused when we investigate something. I'm going to... um, Okay, so I drew another little circle in the center here. What I find for myself is um, when I am strongly um, endeavoring to make something go my way, my whole head, my whole body, my mind is very constricted. And so I think, just for demonstration purposes, that when I am in a place of um, being adverse to something that is happening or strongly attached to wanting it to continue, um, I am restricting myself. 
I am constricting myself. So I feel as if when I am caught in the web of craving and clinging to something, um, my my span of investigation narrows. I can feel it in my body. I can um, observe it in my mind that I have no space for really moving to any of these other factors. So this is just for demonstration purposes that um, if I'm caught in craving and clinging, that um, I'm in a narrow space with regard to the whole uh, the factors. So you can look at that yourself and see if that speaks to you at all. For naturally inquisitive minds, investigation can be an interesting practice, but it can also be overdone. Uh, according to Bhikkhu Analio, um, he suggests that it's important to have a natural flow to our inquiry and to balance it with calming factors. So if I overdo on investigation, and we can do that, right? We get obsessed with something. Oh, yes, you know, I want to find the solution to this. Um, or um, I really want to understand this part of the teaching. Oh, yes, you know, or I really want my practice to deepen. Um, I need to recognize that I am caught in a web. So what factor would help me if I can remember tranquility? If I can remember equanimity, it helps to soften and lessen that inquisitiveness that has just consumed me. So we can get stuck in our heads. (laughs) Um, You may know that, I know that. If we explore our experiences and responses um, in an unbalanced way, what helps us to get to the place of uh, knowing tranquility, concentration, and equanimity well, that's why we meditate. Did anyone here notice a difference in your mental state, your physical state, from when you walked in until the time of our meditation? So that's uh, personal feedback. That's direct knowing. Sometimes investigation is an internal and sometimes it's an ex- external process. Bhikkhu Analio suggests for an internal practice to add a quality of inquisitiveness to one's contemplation practice. It's a keenness to know. It can enhance the continuity of our mindfulness practice. So there are several practical ways we can use investigation to keep mindfulness strong. Simply asking ourselves quietly during our practice, is my experience changing?
Is my physical experience changing? Is my mental experience changing? If we happen to be in a place of strong attachment to any part of our body, (laughs) either because we think it's beautiful or (laughs) because it's um, giving us some grief, um, we can ask ourselves, is this body meant to be permanent? We can even ask ourselves, where is my mind right now? This can be a very revealing mindfulness practice. Where is my mind right now? Investigation can help us to overcome sluggishness during our practice. It sparks zeal and interest in the path because it's helping us understand the wisdom that applies to us. Investigation helps to warm our practice and it gives us momentum to continue. It enables us to see the circumstances that are present for us right now and sometimes the need to confront or meet things that are unknown, things that we wouldn't ordinarily open to. One of the most important principles of investigation is for us to know when we are encouraging unwholesome and when we are encouraging wholesome states of mind. Which one do you think we want to develop more? (laughs) Wholesome states of mind. In case you weren't quite sure there for a moment. We nourish investigation when we distinguish between wholesome and unwholesome mental states. Investigation enables us to recognize when the mind is tending toward an unwholesome thought and the subsequent unskillful action that would come from that. In that moment, we can stop before we speak or act in a way that will cause distress for ourselves or for another. Ceasing unwholesome states nurtures the development of wholesome states. When wholesome states are cultivated, developed, and strengthened, they give rise to wisdom. So what are some examples of unwholesome states? Certainly we can look at the precepts directly and get a very clear description. Killing, lying, taking what is not given, committing sexual harm, using substances that cloud the mind, 
or any mental state that causes suffering. What are examples of wholesome states? The Brahma-viharas, kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity, generosity. Any mental state that enables the mind to be at peace. Once again, investigation of mental states helps us to see what needs to be released and what needs to be strengthened. In this regard, using investigation in our practice clearly shows what is causing our suffering and what we need to abandon to have peace of mind. Investigation is essential to destroying suffering. It counters doubt about the path because we see for ourselves that unwholesome mind states do cause suffering and wholesome mind states nurture a calm and peaceful mind. So mindfulness is a lens through which we see life as it happens, moment by moment. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Investigation points out how I am responding to this moment, to this experience, right now. It's a tremendous relief when we acknowledge to ourselves what we are experiencing. Seeing things clearly increases our faith and confidence in the practice and eradicates doubt. So once again, what are we investigating? The true nature of mentality and materiality. What does this mean? It means what is happening in my body? What is happening in my mind? If you were here last week for the um, talk that Janetti Marotta gave on mindfulness, she gave a wonderful um, practice called STOP. Uh, I had never actually heard that. That was good. So at any given time, if we want to (laughs) not let ourselves get too far down that track of (laughs) anxiety or worry or any of the unwholesome experiences, we actually stop. Just stop. Take a breath or two or three. So you can do this right now. Take a breath. Kind of let the mind have a little fresh air for a moment. So the S is stop. The T is take a breath. The O is observe. Observe 
your thought in this moment? Observe your emotion. And observe your body. And the P, the P in the stop practice is proceed. So carry on. Proceed with the best choice you can make at this time. Building in any practice that interrupts and counters the tendency for unwholesome responses, activities, speech, enables the mind to have a little more space. It provides the opportunity to then get in touch with one of the other factors. That is, all of these factors are within us already. We know how to investigate. We know when we are energized about something. We know moments of joy. We even have had some experiences of tranquility, I'm sure. Moments of concentration. Equanimity is a beautiful factor. We'll hear about that in a few weeks. These qualities and factors are not separate from us. They're available inside of us. When my mind is constricted in wanting something to be the way I want it to be, I'm not opening to the possibility of any of these other factors coming forward readily. With investigation, we also are reminded quite vividly of one of the Buddha's primary teachings, namely that everything is impermanent. We see, when we turn our attention inward, we see these body sensations are changing every moment. My mind state, my thoughts, my emotions, they're changing. So look, look right now. the thought you have in your mind right now, the emotional response or the body feeling. No doubt it's different than what you had 20 minutes ago. This realization tells us I don't need to stay attached to things being the way I think they should be. 
let's just explore what it might be if I can be on that place of curiosity, being with the unknown. Once again, we come back over and over again to asking, what is my mind making of my experience right now? We have to be willing to take some risks to experiment a little bit with these practices within reason. It's almost as if we are looking at ourselves under a high-powered microscope. I don't think the scientists have yet figured out how to examine thoughts, right? I don't know. How objective can I be? Can I set aside my preconceived ideas of who I am and what this moment should be like and instead be with it as it is and trust myself to bring forth what is the best possible choice here? We have to let go of control with this kind of practice. It will feel uncomfortable, unfamiliar. We have to be open to surprises. But the interest, energy, and curiosity of possibilities opens up a whole nother world for us in that regard I have an experiential exercise for us to do this evening Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.